0: Good morning, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, I was looking forward to two really good basketball games last night, and we got two pretty lopsided basketball games. The Mavericks handled the Jazz, Baylor handled Gonzaga, and there really wasn't much drama at the end of either one of those games. Got to give it to the Jazz as poorly as they shot the three, and it was horrific. They made the numbers look a little better later. They hit some threes in the fourth quarter, but, man, they were below 20% for a big chunk of that game. Um, They only lost by eight. And when you look and see Royce O'Neal and Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarks are a combined two for 25, you got to figure the Jazz are going to lose. They were two of 25 from three. Those three guys. Let that sink in. (laughs) Clarkson was two of nine. The other guys were zero for eight. It's not going to happen very often. So I guess you can shake that off. If it happens four times in a playoff series, they are beaten in that playoff series. But it hasn't happened a lot this year. So I think it's a case of uh, you know it's a one-time deal. Um, you play the Mavericks three times. You won two out of three. And they handle that one pretty easily. They, they're a much better team now. That makes them nineteen and seven now after a dreadful start. Um. They were, what, 14 and 19, I think. Or no, 9 and 14, and five games under 500, nine wins, 14 losses. But they're playing much better now, and they took it to the Jazz. But the Jazz have won nine in a row, and, uh, you know, the Suns have a nine-game win streak now. That's the first time anybody else in the league has had a nine-game win streak. And the Jazz have had two nine-game win streaks and an 11-game win streak. So, the Jazz have 48 hours to be in a bad mood before they go and play the Suns in Phoenix. And the Suns did not play great. They had a three-point game with Houston. It was a struggle. That game was tied a couple times early in the fourth quarter, and then the Suns opened up a 12-point lead, and they were having to intentionally foul, so Houston didn't launch a game-winning three at the end, or game-tying three at the end of the game. So that's pretty tight. But the Suns, I can't blame them, if they were looking ahead to Wednesday night a little bit, too. Houston's not going to get you that fired up with everything they are doing. So the Jazz get beat, and they shot the three very, very poorly. I thought they defended well. Even though they weren't scoring, they defended well for two and a half quarters. And then the last three minutes of the third quarter got away from them. A 19-9 to run by Dallas. That opened the game up, and that was that. I never thought the Jazz were going to get it done in those final 12 minutes. I thought the game ended with those last three minutes in the third quarter. Then as far as Gonzaga, they got beat right from the jump. Uh, they gave up three offensive rebounds in the first minute. I don't know where Timmy was, but he wasn't. He checked out. He wasn't checked in. Um, you know, a big guy's supposed to be patrolling the paint. Anybody else can go get rebounds, too, and nobody did. And so, you know, they, they they defended. I thought they didn't get enough credit for how well they defended Baylor. They defended Baylor into some misses, but it never really paid off because they gave up so many offensive rebounds, and Baylor would still score in a possession. You know, so Baylor turned those three offensive rebounds on the first two possessions once they scored on their second shot, once they scored on the third, but they were still a 4 nothing after a minute. So yeah, you're playing pretty good defense, but if you don't rebound, it doesn't matter. You're not done playing defense until you have the defensive rebound and you have the ball. And they weren't getting the ball. Baylor just had more energy. They were alive. They were locked in. I mean, all, whatever cliche you want, they were there, and Gonzaga wasn't. They were checked out and kind of floating around. It was nine to nothing. It was sixteen to four. It was twenty-one to six, and then they basically just traded traded buckets the rest of the way. They got they got up. Uh, they, got, what, they got within nine after being down 19, and the game just kind of bounced around. It was a 12- to 15-point game for most of the game. Baylor was always in control. Gonzaga blew it early and then could not get back in the game, couldn't get closer to nine. So Baylor, who only has two losses themselves, a lot was made of Gonzaga's undefeated season, but Baylor only lost twice, and they just destroyed teams in the Final Four. They destroyed Houston, they destroyed Gonzaga, and they're the NCAA champs. All right, we'll have more on both these games coming up we got the best of the Jazz post-game show coming up later this hour and hear the Jazz explain what went wrong. And Donovan Mitchell talk about, hey, we shot it really poorly and we only lost by eight. I really did think the defense was good for two quarters and nine minutes. And then it got away from them. Um, but they'll shoot the three better against other people. They shot the three great Saturday night, and you know at some point you're going to miss. And they, hopefully they all got it out of the system in one night. We'll see how these next two games go with Phoenix on Wednesday and Portland on Thursday. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, PK with the 2003 Masters champ, Mike Weir. Gary Player Stories, um, all kinds of stuff coming up. Stay with us.
1: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
2: Good morning. It is Masters Week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. Joining us now is the 2003 Masters winner, none other than Canada claims him, but that's the whole country. We claim him here locally, so it's a little, a uh, little smaller. He is Utah's own BYU grad, uh, played golf there. Mike Weir, Mike. Good morning. How you doing?
3: Morning, PK. Thanks for having me on.
2: Yeah, excited. You know, for me, I, you know me, I'm a big golf fan. I look forward to spring, and I got to have two things that mark the advent of spring one is opening day in major league baseball and we've already had that and the second i don't care what the calendar says Literally, I view spring has arrived. When I turn on that television and I am watching the Masters, for me it is a highlight and I'm glad it's back when it's supposed to be. I was glad that you guys played it in November. I was okay with that under the circumstances, but I'm super glad that it's back to where it belongs. It is a rite of passage for me every single year. I'm wondering as a tour player, how much extra, extra does the adrenaline get going and the heart start pumping when you're driving down magnolia lane and all that stuff that famed road knowing that you're going to play in the masters
3: yeah i mean it, it's definitely extra and and like you i you know as a kid growing up in canada you know we had you know fairly similar climates here as utah and you know i remember when i was 16 watching jack nicholas and the weather was just kind of breaking and running inside to, to watch the tournament at, at my home club and watching Jack and then running outside to the putting green to pretend I was Jack Nicholas And, you know, it was kind of like the same thing. You know, when, when, when spring's here, the Masters is here, and and now to be able to play in it and, and been lucky enough to win it, it, it's still I still get chilled every time I, I get there, anticipating getting there, flying in. And the first time you drive down Magnolia Lane for the week, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things come flooding back and you know a lot of excitement and anticipation you know in the air you know kind of coming in there monday to get registered and uh and get ready um yeah it's an exciting time
2: yeah i can imagine for you you're a veteran you're 50 i think you turn 51 next month because i know we talked to you and you told us you were shooting for this i i call it the senior tour i can't call it that anymore as you corrected me the <laughs> champions tour uh that starts when you're 50 we saw uh uh, down in Tucson, how'd you not flip off Sutherland when he chipped in on that? What was it, sixteen?
3: <laughs> yeah, what a shot! What a shot that was. You know, it was the only birdie on that hole all day. Apparently, the hole was playing very difficult. And yeah, I mean, man, um, you know, I played well, and and you know, he just played a little bit better. You know, down the stretch, you know, the guys who win usually, you know, unless you run away with the tournament. But there's obviously some swings down the stretch, and and he made a great chip in and 17th hole. I don't know if you've ever. Ever played there, PK? But it's a bit of an awkward hole. You know, it was playing straight downwind. There was almost impossible to hit the fairway because uh, the fairway sloping away from you downwind, and yeah. you just kind of bang driver out there, and you hope. You know, there's a few trees there, but you know, I, you, you think you're going to get a gap that you're going to have a shot at the green, and he did, and I didn't. And um, he made a birdie to, to take the lead there. So, um, but at the same time, you know, I'm playing well, and, and it just showed me that my game's in a good place, uh, kind of coming into uh, this week.
2: So even though you're a veteran and you've already got the green jacket, you accomplished the ultimate goal as far as I'm concerned. Still the competitive juices flow, and you still want to compete.
3: Oh, no doubt. Um, Especially now at this stage. You know, PK, I I had a a tough run of years where a number of different things, but um, I felt like some years were were missing in my career, you know. Uh, Right. Uh, I don't know if I want to say taken away from me some what the injury was and some other things but um, I've got this rejuvenation I even though I'm 50 I I feel kind of rejuvenated that I missed a lot of time Um, I missed a lot of uh, I feel like good time and now I'm at a place where my game is good you know it's it's not the level of top players in the world but it's it's in a good place and I feel like when I go into Augusta I think that the good vibes and feelings I have there and in Augusta more than any other place is is a mindset. I, I really truly believe that. You have to have all your wits about you pulling out the shots. You know, it's kind of cliche to say committed to the, you know, to the shot at the moment. But there's if you hit a shot a little indecisive, uh ah, maybe I should maybe I should hit a six iron or hard seven and you walk in there without a clear picture, man, you'll make a double or triple bogey so fast mm-hmm. it'll make your head spin. So I think the mindset there more than any other tournament is is really imperative. And and that's what I'm kind of going in there with. And I think experience um, helps there.
2: Interesting comment (laughs) on the mindset. Now, none of us, uh, I don't think in our listeners uh, on the zone here have been to your level and can put ourselves into that spot. But if we're amateur golfers, and I've been pretty much since about 12, 13 years old, uh, I can relate to on a very small scale here, let's not uh, kid, my. I don't want to kid myself, but, you know, you talk about which club to use and being able to sell yourself on the shot. I play with mm-hmm. a guy, his name is Brent Jones. I don't know if you know him. He coached a little bit about, uh, down at BYU when you were down yeah. there, I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he lives around the corner from me, and we play in a little men's league on uh tuesdays and he's really helped me with my game and his big thing is man be sold on the shot and it's interesting that even on your level you've got to be sold on the shot if there's any type of indifference you're basically saying you're hosed
3: yeah you are i mean you know Augusta, i think you know it's a good lesson for you know club golfers you know aspiring tour players and and elite players i mean this is it's basically the same thing as, as being committed to your shot i i tell my buddies when i'm playing with them when they hit man i can't hit it today i'm like well what was what were you focused on you know where you he's like oh, i wasn't you know i was just trying to hit it up there i'm like well you gotta you gotta pick some kind of a target out there you know you, you know those kind of little details um they get a little more enhanced and they get very enhanced at Augusta national and you know, when the pin's sitting up on a little tier and you're, you know, your landing area is literally four or five yards, if you're indecisive, you know, at your home club, that shot still might be okay, 20 feet left of the hole. But at a Guts National, that might hit a slope and be 50 feet or might land four yards too far and go over the back of the green and you have this diabolical chip that you have to be very uh, cute with, I'd say, and you can leave it short or you can hit it by. And next thing you know, you're walking off with a triple bogey because it's, your next shot is that much more difficult. So those those are the little things I think that really play out at Augusta National more than any other tournament is that um, you, you may barely miss a shot offline, but then your next one, because you've you've hit it in the wrong spot, is very, very becomes very, very difficult. So um, from what I've heard, they, they had their big member tournament there two weeks ago. The Greens are very firm. Um, so we didn't have that in November. It was it was like throwing darts in November, the course was soft. I think you'll see the course play pretty darn firm. And you'll see some of these things. You'll see some guys with – doesn't look like that difficult a shot on TV, but it's so firm and so fast that you have such a small landing area to land maybe a chip shot to get it close to the hole. And if you miss that spot, you're 30 feet away. Um, And that's Augusta National.
2: (laughs) I just got queasy in my stomach when you're saying that. (laughs) Michael Weir, former Masters champion, joining us. Now, for the guys who've won it, and are a little older is when you get uh, to the area. Uh, how do you balance competing, but actually socializing with the guys and maybe having somewhat of a, you know, a little bit of a reunion, so to speak?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some of that on Tuesday night in the in the champions uh, with the champions dinner, and we have a you know a little reception before we sit down for dinner and mingle around a little bit, and catch up with with everybody and that's that's what makes another part of the week that makes it very special for me now is to be part of that group and to you know, sit around and, and you know talk with Jack Nicholas and, and talk with Gary Claire and Ray Floyd and you know the names go on and on and, um, and kind of be in the middle of that that gap of the younger guys with Jordan Spieth and you know Adam Scott and some of the younger guys that have won Patrick Creed and Bubba Watson and then you have you know you have Jack Nicholson Tom Watson and these other guys and Gary player. And, and then I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. So I'm, it's, it's great to hear the stories of the past from these guys and, and see how the games evolved in the last 20 years. So it's kind of a fun place to be.
2: Okay, Mike, I got a question that you have uh, never gotten and you're never going to get. I'm pretty sure of that <laughs> okay. but that's what I do. Right. So I'm giving you one choice. You can only choose one. So for the rest of your life, you get to go to the champions dinner versus for the afterlife, you get to go to heaven. Which one are you choosing?
4: <laughs>
3: oh man. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> uh I'm not sure of my belief system and, and all that, so I'm, I'm sticking with the champion's dinner because I don't know where we're going after, so I'm, I'm going to stick with the champion's dinner.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine that. How cool is that? Sports, whatever sport, they've all got their traditions, uh, whatever that might be, but you're talking about the champion's dinner, and one of the things that I think is so awesome with golf is that you really... Uh, you don't necessarily fade out of view you know Jack and obviously he's the extreme example and you know hitting the the, the, the ceremonial ter- first shot with Gary mm-hmm. and then Arnold Palmer when he was alive but I love the way golf blends its past recent past long term past it just blends meshes it together with the what's going on in the actual golf world now and it seems like there's a great timeline there, and I think that that champions dinner probably best illustrates it
3: yeah yeah I, I would agree I think you know well I think that and the you know the other things that there is longevity in in our sport you can continue to play with champions tour so you know other sports. You know you might be done at thirty. You know in football you might be done earlier than that. Basketball early thirties, and um, but golf you can continue to play well. Guys, look at Steve Stricker and Bernard Longer. Guys from their mid fifties, even early sixties, still playing well and, and doing some awesome things. And yet their goals might be a little bit different, but they're still able to accomplish their their own their own things. You know on the Champions Tour and their own their own goals. So I think that is is really special about golf too, and that we're always working on it. You know, Arnold Palmer was always working on a swing and trying to find something better with his putting, and I sit beside Gary Player at the Champions Dinner. He's always talking about, Mike, if I can get my club just a little more across the line, I can get five more yards. You know, I can get five more yards, and I'm already beating my age by 15. I want to beat it by 17. You know, he's just things like that that keep, you know, uh, keep yourself motivated. It's It's pretty inspiring.
2: Yeah, golf's a lifetime sport when you think about it. I mean, not just at your level, but Duffers like yeah. me yeah, can continue to play 60s and hopefully 60s and 70s and going forward yeah. on that. So when you say you sit next to Gary Player, is it assigned seating? How does that work?
3: No, it's not assigned seating. It's just got we've all kind of fallen into our, our little spots at the, at the head of the table. And November was different because we they had us a little bit more spread out because of COVID. and I'm not sure if they'll do that again this year. But normally we're all at one big table and uh, after we take our our annual photo everybody just kind of goes to their spots and it seems like gary players at the one end and myself and B J and trevor Emmelman, and adam scott and nick faldo and we all kind of um charles cootie is down there as well we're all kind of down at the end of the table um it's kind of like the back of the classroom there we're all back in the back of the classroom <laughs> telling stories and um, and Gary Player's the ringleader. He's he's telling all kinds of great stories about uh, the past and the great players of the past. It's really fun.
2: Yeah, and that's cool. It's guys from all over the world too. That's another thing about golf. It's, it's mm-hmm. really a, you know a world game. And you've just mentioned player and Faldo and others. Uh, Adam Scott. Those are not Americans. They've made their right. mark here, obviously in, in the version of the U.S. Tour. But those are not native-born Americans. The thing about the Masters, and maybe it's across the board. Uh, In other tournaments, too, but I especially see it at the Masters. The winner, uh, particularly if it's a first time winner, I I can't remember if you were in that situation, but Dustin Johnson last year, he's being interviewed and he can barely speak. He's overcome with emotion and all these things that must be just flooding through him. What, what is that like when you win, when you're actually the last man standing and you win that green jacket and you're in the literal moment, which you have been, uh, what are all those emotions that are going through these? We've saw, seen Bubba Watson, and the list goes on as far as that goes, of just almost to the point of mm-hmm. bowling. And Dustin last year had a hard time speaking. Can you describe the, all the emotions that run through you at that time?
3: Oh boy. It's, it's hard to describe. I guess it's, um, it all goes back for me. I can only speak for me. It just goes back to almost what we talked about at the, the beginning of this a chat was, you know, the, the rite of spring and, and myself watching golf falling in love with golf and Jack Nicholas at the masters in 86. Yeah. You know, I loved golf before that, but that tournament in particular and watching Jack at the masters in 86, you know, maybe you really want to be a professional golfer and, you know, for me, when I was done on the eight, or sorry, on the tenth hole after the playoff, to my brother and my dad um, be there and to finally be able to—I think—you know, you're you're so focused for that many days in a row, and to finally let off the pedal a little bit and just absorb it, and uh, you know, you just kind of overwhelmed, like, holy, you know what? Like, I I, I did this. <laughs> I, I can't believe I was able to stay focused and and not let the moment get a hold of me and and uh and mess it up you know i was able able to actually kind of pull it all through so you know i think that's why guys are overcome with emotion i was i certainly was before before i went into the interview with uh in the butler cabin with when tiger put the jacket on with me with the chairman and Jim um i had a moment just to splash some water on my face for a second before i it all happens pretty fast after the playoff, and I had you know 20 seconds to wash some water on my face and look in the mirror, and just just unbelievable, you know, feeling that uh, of accomplishment of all, all your dreams from you know going back to when you were a kid. So, uh, yeah. and then then I have the utmost respect for guys like Jack and Tiger who've done it, you know, 18 times, 15 times. It's like how how did they get themselves there and that mental state that meant that often. Not only winning them, but like to, you know, be in that moment for uh, so often, it's, it's really hard to do.
2: Yeah, that's what I want to ask you, Mike. we Masters winner joining us. He's going to be playing this week in the Masters. As far as, you know, that concentration, I mean, I have a hard time concentrating completely the way I need to be on a single hole. Forget about four days of 18. I can only Mm -hmm. imagine the mental strain. How difficult is it when you're out there to stay in that moment? Because I think that's a requirement that you must have to be successful at your level.
3: Yeah. That is, I mean, it, you know, uh, you know, I've done it a few times. You're you're chasing that. You want to be able to do that. Um, I don't I don't know what interference kind of gets in the way, whether it's the expectations or the anticipation of maybe winning a tournament that pulls you out of it. But it is it's hard to get yourself in a state where you're you're just focused on the moment and that shot with people yelling, all the movement, other players making birdies, all that noise going on around you, but you're able to. At least in my case, that's what I tried to do is just find a way to kind of block all that stuff out. And, um, you know, Jack Nicholas was, you know, talked about how, how he would just kind of go into his own world and, uh, you know, kind of have this picture of this movie running in his head of exact shot, how he wanted it, to, uh, the trajectory of the shot, how he wanted the ball to land. He visualized so well. I think Tiger was a lot the same way. So I haven't been able to tap it as much as those guys, but when you do tap into that and you're able to create that in the in the biggest moments, um, and And put everything else aside that's that's kind of the ultimate. so for me, the masters, I was able to do that for seventy two holes. Um, and it's just I think that's when you're finally done and and you you happen to win one, yeah you know, these these things kind of overcome you and you're um, you're overcome with emotion.
2: yeah, for sure. Is it? Uh, we we always we, we forecast going in NBA playoffs. You know who do we think is going to win and and NFL whatever it might be. Uh, particularly in the media, but I even think fans fans do it too. We try to ha- we come up with our own idea of how it's going to play out. I sort of view the, the Masters as somewhat of a, an impossible situation to try to predict. Do you think it's possible if, if you're playing well, can you continue it? If you're not playing well, can you turn it on? The point being, is there any way that, that any of us can really pick who's going to A, contend, and then B, win?
3: To do nowadays because it's it's so competitive out there. There's so many great, talented players. But I always look to the guys, you know, the year I won there, I was playing very well. I'd won a couple times earlier in the year. My confidence was high. I was in a nice flow with my game. Now, there's always aberrations, guys. I remember Jose Maria Althabal saying that he had, you know, missed the cut and, you know, hadn't played well. And all of a sudden he got in there. The second time he won there, and, you know, he just kind of got the the good vibes going again uh, through Augusta national, just playing the golf course in the practice rounds. And that really helped them. But most of the time it's guys who are playing well. Um, and it's hard to flip the switch at Augusta. It can be done, but I would look to the guys that are really playing well and putting well uh, guys who have great short games. Um, and, but then, then you're narrowing it down, but it's still hard to predict a winner, but I think you can kind of narrow it down maybe to the you know 20 guys.
2: Yeah, if I remember correctly, at your point, I remember watching on television, uh, you won what I call the Bob Hope uh, Palm Springs. I don't know what it's called or what was it called did, then, yeah. and and then the uh, L.A.
3: Open, right? That's what I. Uh, yeah, and then I won L.A. And, um, yeah. I, I finished. I think I finished second, maybe at Pebble Beach too. So I was really playing well. Um, I, I really had a great West Coast, and so right. my confidence was high and. I had a bit of chip on my shoulder, too, because early in the week, I didn't get asked into the media center as, like, one of the favorites. And I kind of used that. I, I used that a little bit. Like, I thought, you know what, here I am. I've won twice. I finished second, third. No one's playing better than me yet. You know, no one No one thinks I'm going to win here. So I used that a little bit. That, Sweet. Um, they were just thinking, you know, a long, a long player's, uh, right? Uh, you know, golf course because it was wet and playing long. But, um there's, that's where I go back to. There's something to be said for confidence and belief and mindset going in there. And my short game was great. And so I think I think that you have to really look at that if you're if you're looking to pick somebody, you got to look at those aspects. Somebody who's really mentally tough and someone who has a great short game too.
2: Well, Mike, thanks for joining us on the Zone. We'll be watching you and good luck. Yeah, appreciate it, PK. Thanks, man.
0: There's PK with the Masters champ Mike Weir. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post game show.
1: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz lose in Dallas. Mavericks Win one out of the three this season. Jazz won the first two. Mavericks get this one. Jazz shoot the three very poorly, and Jake will get into that. And as you hear from the players the best of the post-game show,
5: sure. Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. The streak ends at nine. The Jazz lost last night to the Dallas Mavericks 11-103. Game where the Jazz really struggle, uh, struggled shooting the ball, shooting from three in particular. As a team, they were only twelve forty four. Donovan Mitchell 0 of eight. Royce O'Neal 0 for eight. Uh, Jordan Clarkson two for nine. Joe, uh, Mike. Conley, was the one who really had a nice night, and he was kind of the only one. 28.7 assists, although Rudy played well as well with 14 points, 15 rebounds, and a couple of block shots. But uh, the Mavericks, on the other hand, the exact opposite. They were red hot from three. They made 23 of 49, 46.9%. Luka Doncic had 31, but it was guys like Dorian Finney-Smith that were red hot. He had 23, uh, which really made a big-time difference for the Dallas Mavericks. They also got a bunch of production coming in off the bench with Brunson had 20, Tim Hardaway Jr. Had sixteen. Let's get some post game sound going. Let's uh, start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Hi,
6: hey Coach. First question will be from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Coach. You uh, just told me pregame that the synergy and continuity of this Mavs team could pose some problems. In what way did that present itself for you tonight?
7: Well, they're. I mean, more than synergy and continuity, they're just a good team. That, that's what that translates to, and. um, They were physical with us in the first half. I thought the guys really responded and we competed. Um, You know, at some point, this is, we've talked about overcoming a poor shooting night, uh, which we had tonight, but that's a, they make 10 more threes than us. It's going to be tough to do that. We can look at some of the things we need to do better. Uh, I felt like, you know, we could have moved the ball a little bit better at certain times in the game we made it a little hard on ourselves so we need to, but um, like I said, they're a good team and uh, you know, they did a lot of the good things to win the game.
6: Andy Larson, Select Tribune.
8: When you mentioned the three point shooting and I know, you know, there's going to be variants there, but are, are you more upset with the number of attempts that you allowed on that end? Or, you know, that is a strategy that has worked against the map in the past for you guys a little bit
7: well you know when we cross match rudy at times you know people were going to get open looks i thought it's really difficult um to limit lucas threes i don't know how many he took 11 um you know and some of those other guys they were they were aggressive they got him from different positions as well um you know when there's a number of things that that played into that um, some of which we can address um, you know whether it be a game plan or more urgency to take away shooters, you know, more aggressive off the ball stunts where we make them think a little bit more. Um, But as you said, I mean, that's a lot of threes. As I said, you know, we took a lot too, but, you know, sometimes the disparity there um, didn't work in our favor.
6: Eric Weldon, Salt Lake Tribune.
7: Quinn, in terms of the threes
9: that you guys took tonight, do you feel like you got good looks that just didn't go in or do you feel like Dallas was doing something to take away the kind of the quality of looks that you normally get?
7: Um, A little bit of both. I thought when we were able to to move the ball, um, really attack and get in the lane, we created some. You know, when they're scoring two, taking the ball out of the net, we have to have more pace uh, to generate some of those things, you know, whether it be you know, after misses, but after makes as well.
5: There you go. That was Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team wins 111 one, or excuse me, falls. I'm used to the, talking about the Jazz winning. They lose to Dallas 111-103. to 103. Let's get some player sound. Let's start things off with Donovan Mitchell.
6: Hey, Donovan. We'll get started with Tony Jones, the Athletic.
0: When you guys um, aren't making shots the, the, the way you did, first of this two-part question, was the, the bigger issue that you guys weren't making shots – Um, But you were generating open shots or was the bigger issue that you guys, you know, were turning the ball over uh, and, you know, not getting the loose balls. And when you guys aren't making shots, you know, how can you make up a deficit uh, like there was tonight?
10: Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing was just we just had a rough night. You know, I think for us to only lose that game by eight, uh, I think is says a lot of just about the will. You know, we had, I went 0 of 8. Royce went 0 of 8. Um, Leon I wanted 3. Like, the guys who typically make a bunch of 3s, you know, we didn't. Uh, Mike was really with keeping us in it. You know, I think the biggest thing is not to overreact. You know, we, you know, sometimes it's not always going to go in. You know, there's going to be nights like this, and they came out ready to go, and they came out locked in. Give them credit, too. You know, they came out. Finney Smith had, I think, almost a career high tonight. Like, give him credit. He didn't shoot it well the first two times we played him. Um, But sometimes it's just a make or miss league at times. You know, I'm not, I don't think any of us too, too concerned. You know, I think we, how many tournaments we had? Eight. You know, I think we, 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 we did a lot of good things, generated good looks. Um, The shots just didn't fall. And we just move on to the next one.
6: Kristen Kenny, Joss TV. When you look ahead, moving on to the next one, like you said, you know, have good nights, bad nights, but does a night like this motivate you as you look forward?
10: Um, it can, you know. I think I think that's the group we have. I think that's that's the focus. I don't think anybody's in there, you know, hanging our heads or nothing like that. You know, I think we understand what's what's coming up. You know, these are two playoff games, essentially three, excuse me, coming up. Um, you know, with this one, and then you got um, Phoenix uh, coming up. You know, they're going to be physical. They're going to be aggressive. It's going to be it's going to be a hard fought game. But you know, I think, like I said, you know, this night, I don't think it's going to deter us from what we've been doing or or what we've been striving to do. Um, But we just got to be ready for the same energy, the same intensity on both ends of the floor uh, with Phoenix. um, And just be ready for that.
6: Eric Walden, Salt Lake
9: Tribune. Don, you said in your first answer that sometimes it's just a, it's just a make or miss league. Do you feel like a lot of Dallas is, how do you feel about your defense, I guess, against you know, the looks that Dallas got? And, and then how do you feel about your own looks tonight and and the Dow, the defense that Dallas is playing against you guys? Um, I think, you know, there were times we could definitely have improved, you know, our defense. You know,
10: um, I got to go back here and, and watch the film to to be sure. But, you know, from first impression, you know, like I said, the same Dorian finney Smith who, and I'm not ragging on him at all. You know, he's a solid player, a good player, defended me really well. But, you know, the difference was, you know, he had, 23. You know he, he made shots. Like I said, you know he made shots. I think Jalen Brunson played phenomenal. Obviously, Luca's going to be Luca, uh, but that that's really you know a big thing. We were there contesting. Rudy was there contesting. You know, and sometimes they just make shots. You know, and I think on the offensive end um, for the team, myself, there were times where we forced things. You know, but that's what happens when you you know you don't make threes. You kind of think about it, try and get into the paint, try and do certain things, but. You know, stuff that's all fixable, stuff that's not anything to overreact to is kind of where I'm going uh, with that. But like I said, you know, give them credit. You know, they came out there and executed a game plan on both ends of the floor. And um, that was the difference.
6: Jim
4: Conlon, RBC Radio, out of Ireland. Um, um, uh, um, Hi, in terms of that game, I suppose things didn't go to your plan. Uh, but looking ahead, you have we we have a terrific season there in Utah. So Donovan, I suppose it's all about rebounding uh in terms of getting back now with a victory.
10: Yeah, you know, uh the mindset of, you know, not two in a row, you know, just kind of getting back out there. This is a big one, one seed versus two seed. It's hard not to – we try not to look at those things, but it's hard not to. You understand the, the magnitude of the game that's coming up, and um, that's really where it's at for us. You know, I think you kind of flush this one um, and, and move on. You know, I don't think – like I said, it's nothing to overreact to. Um, get our reps up, get our shots up, we'll be fine. There's things we're going to we're gonna be able to correct. We'll go out there and fix them and get ready for, you know, a tough back-to-back coming up against Phoenix, and then you got Portland uh, coming in back home as well. Cheers. keep
6: all right, last one. Follow up from Kristen Kenny. Real quick, Don, what makes the the Suns so good this year?
10: Um, you know, book is book. You know, he's a he's a all star for a reason. You know, he's been doing this his whole career. Um, you add Mikael Bridges, who you know is coming in, locking in as a defender. Um, DeAndre Ayton can can do his thing down low. Then you got Jay Crowder, who's a a, a physical presence. You know, obviously we know Jay. Uh, then you add the, the mind of CP. You know, you had the minus CP with the skill of book. You know, that's that's definitely a, you see why they're in second place. Um, and I think that's that's really you know an underrated thing with with Chris Paul and just his knowledge of the game and putting guys in situations. Um, and then you add, excuse me, you add their their bench unit. You know, they do a lot of things well. They they rotate. They're aggressive. They're physical. They hit shots. You know, they they they're a pretty diverse team. You know, in that way. So I think that's what makes them really talented. You know, and they've done things that they've been doing, but just at a higher level, um, I think, this year. And I think that's what makes them a unique team, and it's going to be fun.
5: There's Donovan Mitchell, 16 points, 6 of 23 shooting, 0 of 8 from 3. And Donovan actually starting his comments saying the fact that they only lost that game by 8 points is uh, kind of a testament to who they are, (laughs) because they really uh, did not play well. Uh, Let's move on with some player sound. Let's now hear from Mike Conley.
6: Hey, Mike. First question will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
9: Hey Mike. So we're talking to Don, and you know he said that uh, tonight's just one of those nights where the ball isn't going in, and pretty much it was you carrying the team and keeping them alive. Just what's your what's your takeaway from a night like tonight when just it feels like not a whole lot is going right for the team in general? Well,
11: you know, there's there's going to be games like this, and um, and you know they're great challenges, they're great lessons for us because. Um, you know, when we get to where we're trying to get to in the playoffs and playing these teams that are going to play physical and and change up our, change up their coverages defensively and, um, and have nights where we shoot like we did tonight, like, we have to find ways to win anyways. And we have to find ways to push through and, um, and we gave sparks to that tonight where we, we, we pushed and pushed and pushed, but, you know, just, just the the ball wouldn't fall in the hole. So, um, it's a good lesson for us and, uh, you know, we just got to keep, keep grinding and, and keep trying to, you know, manufacture uh, a way to win when we, we're not having it, you know, the the ball and going in as easy.
6: Kristen Kenny, just TV. Mike, these are nights where it's important not to overreact on just an off night. Um, But sometimes that's easier said than done. How do you do that as a team? And do you find yourself maybe coaching guys through that at times?
11: Well, yeah. um, For us, we're a team that, that I think over the year has has grown a lot and in, in the ability not to get too high or too low no matter if we're winning nine in a row or losing two in a row or three in a row like we we know not to let that you know stick around too long in our minds you know we have to continue to move on we have to continue to learn like I said tonight was a, a great test a team that, that really changed up the way that they played a little bit on us uh, from the last two times we played and Um, And and we have to move on from it and keep our minds focused on the next, the next task, the next challenge. So I think we'll be fine. I think that, you know, guys understand what we're, we're capable of doing. Um, And I think we're just going to try to hope to eliminate as as many nights like we had tonight um, and just keep shooting that ball.
6: Tony Jones, the athletic.
0: In terms of, um, you know, postseason. Um, projection is this week important for you guys, or is it not very important for you guys,
9: or somewhere in between?
11: Well, I think I think it's, it's important. You know, I don't think that our season, you know, lives or dies on it, but we do understand that you know the way the way Phoenix is playing, the way Dallas has been playing lately, um, the way Portland's playing. You know, these are teams that if we want to get to our ultimate goal, we're going to have to beat. And uh, and, and they're playing as good as basketball, you know, uh, in, in, as any team in the league. And, um, and they're kind of catching their strides at the right time. So, um, you know, we have to be able to, to, to win on the road, you know, in, in hostile environments. Phoenix is a great place to challenge ourselves there. And when we get back, uh, I guess, a Portland team. So it's going, to be, um, it's going to be an important week for us to just, you know, test that barometer, see where we're at, and, uh, and keep pushing.
6: Last one, follow-up from Chris and Kenny. Donovan was talking about Phoenix and having the mind of CP and then the skill of Devin Booker that makes them so unique and tough this year. What, in your mind, makes them so tough to guard that backcourt?
11: Well, I think, you know, you add a you know, Hall of Famer like Chris uh, to a team with uh, such an elite talent, elite score and elite and, scorer, and Book and a guy who's, I think, Book's taking this game to another level on both ends of the floor. Um, they've really bought into the game defensively you know, as a team, as a unit. Uh, they've got great guys, uh, you know, ca- the cast around those two. And, um, and they've built that team very well, you know, a playoff caliber team that that's going to be, you know, very tough to handle. So when I mean, you, you got two stars uh, leading the way and Chris Paul and Devin Booker is going to be a tough nights for anybody. So we just have to, uh, you know, watch film, be ready, be ready to match their intensity. And we know it's going to be a physical game and, um, in a, in a cerebral game with Chris. You know, he's such a smart point guard. So um, we'll, we'll have to go out there and see what we got.
5: Mike Conley, 28 points, 7 assists. He was really good. 8 of 13, 6 of 10 from 3, 6 of 6 from the line. But not enough as the Jazz fall uh, to the Dallas Mavericks. Let's now wrap things up uh, with Rudy Gobert.
6: Hey, Rudy. First up, we'll have Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy,
9: uh, do you um, – do you come away from tonight worried at all about how things went, or do you just chalk it up to this being a night where a lot of shots for Dallas went in and a lot of shots for you guys didn't?
12: I obviously we we want to win the game. You know, I think uh, you know when we when you win a lot of games, you want to come in every night and and, and try to get a win. But uh, I really liked uh, you know the way we we kept playing through the intensity. You know, they, were, they started the game really physical, you know, uh, a lot of throwing elbows, a lot of, you know, bumping me on every, every time I went to the basket on every rebound. And, uh, you know, I feel like we, we kind of got surprised early on, you know. And uh, I, I starting the second quarter, we, we raised our physicality. And, uh, you know, I really felt like we were playing good defense. And uh, you got to give them credit. You know, they made a lot of shots um, and not easy ones. You know, they made a lot of shots. We missed a lot of easy ones. And uh, beside all that, it's, we lose by eight points. You know, so you know, I think we, uh, to be honest, I really like the way we responded to the physicality.
8: Andy Larson, select to really I just wanted to follow up on what we were talking about earlier with uh, your left-handedness versus right-handedness and what how kind of that came to be, but. I guess because you write right lefty, but then shoot righty. So why? Why do you do that? First of
12: all, uh, everything that um, like ping pong or boxing, everything that's strength, I usually do right handed and everything that's kind of a little more finesse, like riding or like eating. I do with my left. So I've been doing that since I was a kid and uh, I'm a little weird. But apparently a lot of people there's a few people that are the same so I'm not the only one
8: do you feel like you're equally good at finishing with both hands like around the rim
12: I always felt like my left hook was better but my right like uh, finishing through contacts my right is better so I'm kind of yeah I'm kind of it's a little weird you know but uh, I I got both hands I mean I can finish around the rim with both and uh, it's I'm comfortable doing that
8: do you consider, like Mike Conley considers himself ambidextrous and did all those shots in the horse contest with his offhand, right? Are you? Do you feel like you're there or do you feel like it's still, your left is more dominant, you know, it, depending on what kind of activity it is?
12: Yeah, it's exactly it depends on the, the activity. I mean, shooting, like if I if I got to make a jump shot on my left, uh, I mean, it's probably like 5% chance that I make it. Uh, my right is much higher, you know. I'll, I can shoot like that, actually shoot with both hands. So it's, I'm not on that level. Okay.
8: Thank you. That's all.
6: Next up, Jim Conlon, RCB Radio out of Ireland.
4: Hi, Rudy. I suppose you have uh, numerous victories uh, throughout the year, blowout sort of victories where you have uh, powered past teams. But there's a lesson sometimes you learn more in defeat. And I suppose going back now to the tra- to the training ground and in terms of the basketball training, is there an awful lot to learn from this defeat as well?
12: I think it's always, you know, in in we try to learn every night. But I think when you when you lose. Uh, you try to understand why you lost and, you know, you find ways to, to, to keep improving. And, you know, tonight for us, uh, you know, I think the, this team came out very really aggressive, you know, very really physical and, uh, and they shoot the ball way better than, you know, than the average. So, you know, it's a, it's a great win for them. Uh, for us, I think I really like the fact that we kept, you know, we kept playing the right way uh, for the most part of the game. We know we didn't lose our head. And uh you know, we raise our physicality throughout the game, and uh, if there's one thing that I think we can learn from this game is that we can uh, start the game you know uh, with the same level of physicality that they had and and that way you know we don't get surprised when teams are you know trying to just take us out of what we do and and and, and, and hit us and then you know push us or around. you know we gotta be the ones that that do the pushing around and uh, if we do that. Even on the night when we don't make, you know, uh, as many shots, we we should be in a position to win.
4: I suppose. Lastly, for me, Rudy, uh, there, what did you say in terms of the Queen said she there on timeouts in the third quarter, especially when Luca was beginning to warm up and really get hot in terms of to try and curb bad uh, momentum because at the end of the third quarter, he really got on a hot streak.
12: Uh, I can't really remember. You know, I mean when. When Luca is having contested step backs, you know the, the only thing we can do for us is is more uh, make sure that we re, we rebound and make sure we make it hard on him. And you know I think he got hot, but we we stay with it and uh, we we're able to make a little run. It wasn't enough, but uh, you know I think our focus for for the most part of the game and our uh, discipline defensively was you know. Uh, was good. You know, we gave up a few offensive rebounds early that hurt us. But beside, the, beside that, you know, the rest of the game, we, we played it our right way. There you go, that's Rudy.
5: 14 points, 15 boards, two assists, and two block shots. Coming up next for the Utah Jazz, they'll take on the Phoenix Suns tomorrow night on the road. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 7.
0: There is the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, the NCAA title game, the Jazz, the night in the NBA. It's all next. Stay with us.